It's been six years of podcasting, and without our sponsors, we wouldn't be able to bring these podcasts to you. So I want to thank today's sponsors. And first off, we have the Pretentious Pickle Company of 190 Water Street in Plymouth. Uh, If you haven't had a chance to get down there, uh, go down and check out what they make. They have everything pickled you can imagine from uh, pickled beets to carrots to mushrooms to onions to Brussels sprouts and cauliflower. They even have pickled um, uh, or pickled flavor cotton candy, I should say. They make it fresh there every day, and you can go in there and check out what they have to offer. And if you're not in the Plymouth area, you can go to pretentiouspickle.com and check out what they have to offer there as well, and they will ship it out to you. Their stuff is delicious. You should check it out. And uh, they are big fans of ours, and we are big fans of theirs. So thank you to the Pretentious Pickle Company for sponsoring today's episode. And our second sponsor today is Moonrise Cinemas. Moonrise Cinemas is a new drive-in in Plymouth. Uh, right on the Plymouth-Kingston line. They're located at 428 Court Street in Plymouth, Mass. And they offer a great selection of movies. You can go. It's very family-friendly. I went and checked out The Goonies there. They've had Marvel movies, a wide variety of stuff. And they're really starting to expand. They have had uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. This coming year, they're doing music on thursday nights on wednesdays are going to be 420 friendly events so make sure you check out what they have to offer uh, moonrisecinemas.com it's a great venue they have a beer garden they have uh their own food their food's phenomenal and they're bringing back their french toast which i'm very excited about uh, so make sure you check out what they have to offer, moonrisecinemas.com. And if you use in code INEBRIART when purchasing tickets, you'll get 10% off. So make sure you go to moonrisecinemas.com to get your tickets for movies, concerts, and more. And use code INEBRIART for 10% off on your purchase. And now let's jump right into the podcast. Welcome back, Inebriates. This is Andy of the Inebriate Podcast, as always. Uh, and we're always looking to talk to creative individuals of every make and model. And we've never had a producer on before until today. Uh, welcome to the show, Damien Hillen. Pleasure. Nice to meet you, Andy. Uh, you know, it's like, I think everyone in their life has seen, you know, produced by or executive producer and I don't know if everyone, including myself, exactly knows exactly what a producer does, who they are, you know, how, how they get into the, the film industry. So can you just give us like producer 101? Yeah, sure. So the producer is the catalyst for all that creative genius that you see up on the screen. So okay. we're, 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 we're the ones in the back, like moving everybody pushing everybody forward, putting all the deals together in order to bring that to the screen. So, you know, for instance, like what I do usually is a produced by credit, which is, it's usually like my baby. Um, I'll find a a log line, a script, and then uh, 
we'll, we'll develop it. We'll sell it. We'll cast it. We'll finance it. We'll make it, you know, um, we do everything from, from the beginning to the very end. And for us, it's a very long process. It's, it's, it's years because even though after, you know, a film's released, we're still there. We're still, I'm still selling in, in different countries. I'm still releasing, uh, in Spain and Italy and, you know, so I, I, I'm with these movies for years. So you're kind of like the Marines of the movie industry first in last hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> and we, you know, we, we end up getting like all the, we, we get all the problems. Yeah. All the problems, everything comes our way. It's fixed. We, uh, we jump through fiery hoops all day long. You know, it's, it's, there's a problem. We fix it or we find a way to fix it. You know, e- everything from just like, losing locations or losing cast members or losing cast members and a director, mm-hmm. which happened on the long night, which we just shot okay. was, uh, was, was, uh, it was devastating. It was hard. A lot of time spent, uh, but we're all, we're always the ones there fixing and then providing for the director to be creative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just have in my head, like when you lose a, director or an actor that it's just kind of like those old cliche scenes of like the taxi cab parked on the side of the road with the person just sitting there and (laughs) watching the money scroll by oh yes (laughs) and the sense of dread like the little knives going in your in your heart and your stomach yeah you can't sleep you're just like i remember you know uh on a long night i would be up late because we we're trying to fix a problem, like huge problem. And it would be multiple producers on the phone. It would be myself, Ryan R. Johnson from Sprockefeller and Vasily Bernhardt. And uh, we would all three just be trying to figure out solutions. How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? Who's going to direct? Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to star in the movie? But uh, we're already had spent so much money and how do you even how do you even recover that it's it's daunting it puts you in a really bad situation because at the end of the day you're losing days you're losing like physical shoot days yeah and you don't get a lot of physical shoot days on indie films you just don't there's there's no, there's not enough money you know so the the days that you thought you have you don't have now and it it it, it it's a daunting task but um always it's a team it takes an army to make these things it takes a lot of uh effort and money to get it you know to fix these problems and i feel like that's got to be harder to then get a new director onto the project because you're like oh by the way we lost 10 shooting days yes good luck buddy (laughs) it is it is and then but see that's why you know in this situation we immediately called rich ragsdale because Rich Ragsdale, uh, we had just finished a film called Ghost House with him, mm-hmm. and it did really, really well. And we knew that we had a very short window, and we needed somebody 100% that had the creative vision to fix everything yeah, and still get the performances out of cast without, like, freaking everybody out, you know? And, and we knew that Rich could do that. 
we were 100% confident in Rich and, uh, you know, his team, the people that he has behind him, his DP, you know, to his, his brother, Kevin, that is always creatively supporting him um, to his writer that he brings on. We knew that we had a team that we could bring in and help reshape what was to what is even better Yeah, because the movie that we have now versus the movie that we started with is 10 times it's 10 times the film. So I couldn't be more happy with how, how this has turned out. And there was a lot of struggle on this. There was a ton of it. Uh, but at the end of the day, just everybody coming together and, 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 and doing what they do best with their, their qualities we have this great product now. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like sometimes when you're put into those situations where you have a crazy short time frame or you don't have the the money or, or the you know whatever items you need to to make your your project, be it visual art or or, or music or movies or whatnot. I feel like sometimes it puts you into it. It kind of reminds me of when you cram for a test in school like i always did better on the tests that i crammed for than the ones that i had plenty of time to study for i don't know why it's just something about that immediacy having to complete something in a very short amount of time that i think just pushes you to a higher level of performance yeah i think i think you're totally right so you know some of the best films that i've have uh that i've executed on are the ones that had been so chaotic yeah. That you're like, how how are we even going to finish this? Whether is it like zombie apocalypse shutting your movie down, you know, COVID? Yeah. Or is it a flood, a three meter flood coming down and ruining your set and you have to change <laughs> everything? Though Those situations put you in these, like, you creatively come up with solutions that are so, like, far out there and so different that they actually elevate what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that everybody has like that adrenaline pumping because of what they're going through. And they actually like, they perform in a higher and, and, and they deliver it within a higher realm, you know? And it sucks being in those moments. Like no one's ever like, this is going to be awesome. You're like, just yeah, yeah, yeah. in the face. Correct. But I feel like when I'm in those situations, I try to think being like the, this is a story that I'm going to tell. Like on oh, a yeah. day that everything's perfect and goes great and everyone's happy. Very rarely are those the ones that you talk about. It's always like, let me tell you this story. Sit down. It takes a while. It's a disaster. But, you know. Yeah, that, that that's that's right. You know, at the time, it doesn't feel that great. Hmm. At the time, you're like, you're, you're breathing deep and you're just kind of like hanging your head. And you're like, I got to pull through this. You know, I that's where that self-perseverance comes from. Yeah. That I like. And that's one of the things that I love, too, about the industry is that, you know, you have battles that you can overcome and that it, it really, it shows character and strength by pooling together with a group of people to overcome these obstacles. It's very fulfilling. It's so, it's funny. Cause you're like, Oh, you know, with strength and, and I'm always more like, Oh, I'm just not smart enough to know that I can't do it. So I just somehow <laughs> get it done. Yeah. You know? Oh it's, my God. The perspective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but how did how did you even get into production? Like, how does yeah. I mean, do you go to school for that? Is like when you're a little kid being like, I want to produce Ghostbusters, not star in it. 
No, you know what? I, I didn't go to school for it. Um, I've been, I've just been a stubborn, a stubborn person. I, I, I found something that I loved. So, you know, my, my grandfather was a storyteller. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to tell stories, but not write the story. I wanted to help create, create a story with a group of creative individuals. I didn't under, even understand what this was. I didn't no. even know that there was a job like this until I was 27 years old and I fell into it. Um, I come from real estate and finance and in 2008 markets crash. So I moved to LA uh, to live with my sister mm-hmm. and sleep on her couch or the floor, whatever yeah. was available to me here in LA. And um, you know, I was approached by a dear friend, real estate investor. And he's like, let's put together something in Hollywood. Let's do a a documentary. And, you know, I I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do it. You know, I don't know what to do. So like I go to Craigslist and I'm like, let's find a camera operator. Let's find... <laughs> and then the camera operator is like, well, who's running sound? And I'm like, okay, clearly we need sound. That's yeah. the next post I'm going to put up. And then like, who's handling your data intake and your, so I literally put together my first production on Craigslist. That's kind of weird, but yeah, that's me. I did it. Um, I, I realized I know nothing about this industry, right? I just, I just kind of willed it into existence. Um, you know, the documentary that we made, it kind of, it kind of like went off and it actually became something small. And there was a trajectory that kept me so interested in it. And I love this question you asked because what happened then is I met my mentor, Ryan R. Johnson, and yeah. he's the pr- other producer on this movie. So the, the long night, I'm actually doing, uh, I'm a producer with my mentor for the very first time, years later. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, we circle back years later, and this is the first movie that we did together. So um, it's very cool. Very I, cool. I think that is so important at least it has been in my life um and ebr it's been my second business um but was to always find like that person and go oh i want to do what they're doing and frequently i would kind of get to know them and get a little inside look and go oh they're not doing quite as good as i thought i want to go do what that guy and like i kind of would direct myself into finding that person who's really delivering on on what i wanted to do and you know i have a mentor now and and she is in a completely different industry but she's got a phenomenal business sense and that drive that you can be the smartest person in the world if you don't have drive yeah you're not going anywhere yeah you know i i i love the the idea of a mentor because it's really important um in whatever you're doing whether it's producing writing mechanic, you know, Mm -hmm. you always need to have somebody that is like much better than you. Yeah. Like take you under their wing and explain to you. And I'm always, uh, better at learning real world versus studying a book. So, you know, I didn't go to school for film and I respect all the people that did go to school for film, but that's not my story. My story is different. My story is I wanted to do it. I have a love for the business and I have a love for the, you know, the arts and entertainment. 
And I blended the two and I just ran with it. And I learned, I learned a lot with mistakes. I, I mean, I have countless mistakes. Yeah. I have years of it, but you know, you get better and you get better. And each year you get more confident in what you're doing and you really learn to, to, to become a producer, a real producer. And I experience it all the time. I've talked to many people, uh, including someone earlier today with, uh, dealing with um imposter syndrome is that something like you have to deal with and like how do how do you cope with that kind of feeling of like you know especially on that first film when you're you're getting people on craigslist and they're like oh who's doing sound you're like oh shit sound right uh like how do you deal with that kind of i don't belong here mentality while being there yeah no i i i understand that so i didn't have that until like my first real movie yeah. Like, so I, that was a documentary that was like sh- running gun, you know, following people around. And I just looked apart and people thought I was a producer. Um, but I did, I had a real insecurity on my first movie. Uh, it was in Thailand, a stranger in paradise. And I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I had no clue. I, I, I did the packaging side of it. Yeah. You know, I brought in a sales company. I got the, I got the talent, you know, I got brought on and I, I show up on set and I, I don't know what to do as a physical producer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, and you're overseas like, I, that had to make it even worse. <laughs> I put on like a walkie talkie and I'm like, yeah. I'm like running around and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I just try to look busy. Yeah. Such a, I was such a freaking idiot. Uh, I tried though, you know, I tried. Um, uh, it's funny. Cause like, Nobody in that movie really knew what they're doing. We were all kind of green, just like running around. Um, and you learn. So, yeah. I mean, that, that, but that was probably the, the, I, I just, it's that feeling. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Just please don't ask me a real question. Please don't ask me a real yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't, it, it was like, don't, don't ask me anything about like scheduling yeah. or like, you know, because, when you're looking at the schedule, like real, like day out of days, or, or like you're talking about man days or even lighting equipment or like what you're calling for. I didn't know this stuff. I was yeah. like, uh, what, you know? So it's just like, yeah. Okay. Now, let you me know, get back but, to you on that. Yeah. <laughs> Googling what I, are man days? <laughs> I know. Totally. Totally. Yeah. What, uh, what do I do here? So, Yeah. But I, I do love that kind of fake it till you make it mentality because I mean that's that's our Uber here at you know Nebriart is we just kind of wing it and and wing it yeah you know uh, I was saying earlier that uh, our first podcast our microphone we I think we paid sixty bucks for it and now that we look back we're like God the sound quality is terrible and my producer editor is like I don't think we're using the microphone correctly I think we're using the <laughs> microphone on the computer and not the oh, microphone we had hooked up to the that's computer. great that's great I probably would have done that too yeah um <laughs> but you know it's, it's you, you don't know until you do and, and you try and and like I, I love how you said that you had someone just reach out and be like let's do a documentary I mean we that's almost literally how we end up doing comedy shows it's like someone during the pandemic i was talking to a comic friend i'm like let's do an online show because i'm bored and oh right on you know now we have a ton of them and it's i didn't do it on purpose i don't know how to do it (laughs) some of yeah some of the best things in life like just fall like if the universe puts them in your lap like you it just falls into place you know it's like being prepared for that moment 
to succeed, being prepared yeah. to like, I want to do this. And, and kind of seeing that opportunity when it's presented, you know? Yep. So, uh, it, I'm assuming you feel more comfortable now producing these films. <laughs> yes. Uh, like 34 movies later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do. I and you're a production company too now. So, I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. My production company, I have, I think seven, eight movies under my production company right now. Um, feel very confident, you know, I did, I did work my way up. I, you know, I, I, I line produced for a while for other people. Yeah. I did production. Now, now what is the difference between line producing and producing? Yeah, I'm okay, sorry so if I'm line, asking you basic questions. But. Yeah. Line producer is, uh, you know, they're, they're a very important producer that is managing the budget. So they're, okay. they're, they're creating the, the, basically the numbers for your movie. They're creating uh, the budget based on a schedule based on all the creative feedback like i need 75 extras i need this i need this location i need 10 cars a boat and a dolphin so you gotta, <laughs> you gotta go and you gotta you know put a, a, a like a dollar and cents to everything yeah um and then you have to manage it and then make sure that you're coming in on time and on budget so you know i made my first two three movies and then i really started getting into like I would get brought on to people's projects to go make them in Thailand. Yeah. So they're like, I want to shoot in Thailand. I'm like, okay, well, and then I would produce the movie for them in Thailand. Okay. Now they would bring me the money and I would put it together, execute the physical production of the project. Okay. Yeah. And then I give it back to them and then I say, bye-bye. Right. That, that, so is it, in Thailand, is it because it's cheaper over there? Like, why specifically Thailand? Yeah, Th Thailand is a very exotic location. It's 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 like a like a name cast member. Yeah, it, 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 it's dynamic. You're shooting in this beautiful place, um, so it acts as a character in the movie. Okay, all right, and yeah. then cost of labor is my production value is probably five x five times what I would get, you know, a million dollars here is $5 million in production there. Okay. It's huge. It's huge. Um, so people would want that production value, bring me their projects. I would execute the project for them and then give it back to them. So like on my credits, you'll see line producer, line producer or consulting producer. Yeah. That's what I was doing. Now the produced by or the producer credit is the full on from the beginning through the finance. I'm not like, uh, so basically I'm, I'm doing everything on, 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 on one side and seeing it all the way through to the end. Right. That's a full producer versus, you know, a line producer that just comes in, helps is going to execute the project, put it in a hard drive yep. and then hand it off, you know? So then I'll follow up with the after aftermarket and all that stuff. Yeah, correct. Correct. Uh, so I just had a question in my head and it just freaking disappeared. Um, so now you're producing your own stuff. And what is the like, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned from your mentor that's kind of carried over? Wow. I learned I learned I learned something on every every show or movie that I make. 
You yeah. know, um, we're put in very unique situations. Um, I think one of the hardest things have been having to work with, like you learn to work with government because we have to work a lot with government. We have to work a lot with like local authorities. Oh, okay. W- with like actual governments. Yeah. Actual. Yeah, government. Okay. Yeah. Like you're having to, you know, it, it's like you're going into a place and you're having to be the face of a company and you're talking to like, you know, government officials. And that was like kind of one of the, a little daunting at first. You're like, it's kind of, you know, you're outside of your, your bubble a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, You hope you don't screw up. Yeah. (laughs) So that was, that was something that I I had to learn to to deal with and, and, and get accustomed to, because it's not like a normal thing that everybody does. Right. I mean, some people maybe, you know, if you're government or, but, but having to, like, if I don't get this permit, and if I don't get this in time, I don't have a movie. Right. So that one person with that one signature is totally at, like, I'm at, I'm at their beck, beck and call pretty much right now. And they may not always be the most pleasant person to work with. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I, I recently had someone uh, refer to me as a producer because we you know, we put on comedy shows and, and vendor events and all these other things. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've always kind of said that I, I do what I do. Not I was never the best artist, but I was the most organized artist. Yeah. And I, sp- I spoke both languages, air quotes yeah. around that, where I can talk to business people, but I can talk to the creative person as well. Yeah. That's and, a, your mind of a producer. Yeah, it's like that's it, you have to. That's that's what it is. You have to speak two languages, and uh, sometimes it's very difficult. You know, it's very if if somebody is too artistic on in, in in the film side, I sometimes I can't relate to them as well, and I have to have somebody else in my staff deal with them. Yeah, because I'm very big picture. You know, if a creative's trying to get like all like minuscule details with me, I I, I like I lose focus. I, I, always, have- I always find that the creative people tend to be a little flaky and, uh, you know, not always on time and, you know, those kind of things. That to me is the biggest struggle that I, I personally have to deal with the cre- on the creative side. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel and strange. And this maybe I, I'm curious to see if this is the same way for you, because when people talk about like directors and actors, they talk about egos and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I feel the egos are far more on the other side you know the businesses and the town offices and and those you know i only work with the towns i don't work with thailand but um i feel like the egos are far bigger on that side do you kind of have a similar experience i i for me it's egos are everywhere and uh you know the people some of the people that deserve the egos don't have it Right. Yeah. They're the kindest, most amazing people. And then you run into people that definitely should not have an ego and they're the biggest perks you've ever seen, you know, and they cause the most problems and they think that they're so, you know, so good and they're not. Um, And then you just have to drop them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and, I mean, if you can, like that's to me, that's the biggest issue. Sometimes those egos are on the other side and you have to deal with them. That's always the part. Um, I finally remembered what that question I was going to ask earlier. So as a producer, how much creative input do you have on these things? Cause I mean, you have the writers, directors, actors, do you, yeah. 
get to kind of put your creative two cents in or is that some projects and not others? No. Uh, yeah. All the projects I'll, 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 I'll get to be as creative as I want. Um, I stick to, I stick to, to what I know, mm-hmm. like, you know, for example, I stick to the creativity on the lead cast. Okay. Like the lead cast is very important for me to be, you know, who's going to play this role, this role, and this role. I have to be looking at that from a business standpoint and from a creative standpoint. And then also blending that with the, you know, uh, the director. Um, I'm looking at like, where are we going to shoot this? Where is there a tax credit, the cost to make the, the project? So creatively, I'm very involved with where the movie's going to go, who's going to be in the movie. Um, and then everything else, I, I, I really let the director run with as long as it stays within the parameters that we give them. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, we have a budget and we have a schedule. It's got to stay within budget and it's got to stay with in the schedule. Um, and if it doesn't, that's when we start, you know, dropping the hammer a little bit and, 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 and having to move things. So, and you know, you said you did Ghost House, you did Hellblazers last year. Um, do you predominantly stick to horror genre? No, you know what? Horror horror is a, a genre that translates to if you're Japanese, French, Irish, Italian, American, whatever. You know, people feel horror. People feel scary stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They know what it's like to have a monster chasing them or. an axe murderer or a ghost or people you don't have to speak that language to understand what that is okay so blending that you know having a universal product and then and then you have that's more in line with like business because you could sell it you could sell it everywhere and you have an audience people understand it versus like if it's comedy People don't understand, you know, like American humor versus French humor versus oh, sure. Japanese humor, you know. And then another is like the action movie, because I, I do a lot of action movies. Mm-hmm. I really got into action. Once I learned how to like make movies is when I started doing action. So, um, you know, to your to your question, I, 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 I've gone more towards the action because I like action more than I like horror. Okay. But I make them both. Do you ever have scripts that kind of come across your desk that you want to make, but you're just like, I don't see the financials of it? And all the time, all the time, all the time. I have scripts right now that are phenomenal that I can't make because it costs too much. Like, and and when I say cost too much, I can't get the only way that I can make this movie is if I have a like an with that kind of budget is I have like an A-list star attached to this movie. You have like an Avengers budget. And yeah, it's like, we're, we're not going to, you know, it's like, even you're putting a million dollar offers out and you're still not getting the actors that you need to make that movie. I can't make that movie. It's like a movie is so big. Like it's a kid's movie. Right. So I don't have a lot of kids that have the value that are, I'm going to be able to make this huge budget movie. I have to go, I have to rely on the older adults, mm-hmm. right? So I got to rely on a mom or a, a, a sister or brother, dad, or like a bad guy. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, but we we tried all those offers. We went out, mom, dad, uh, enemy, they all passed. So, you know, you you go down a list and 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 we just couldn't get cast. And because of that, I have to shelve the project. I can't make it right now. I can maybe make it maybe in in 5 years people are going to understand more of what we're trying to make versus like what's going on right now. So, yeah. you shelve it, rename it and come back with it. And that's one of those interesting things. Like I, I, you know, the more I learn about the movie industry, the more I realize like how long it takes a movie from, you know, just cause you sold a script doesn't mean it's going to be like out next year. No, not, not at all. Um, so I lately recently in the past like year, uh, my, my sales company and I have been just kind of brainstorming these ideas. We're like, Let's make a, a, a World War II movie. And then yeah. we literally write it right away and then we go shoot it. So we're not, we're, we're, we're just really in touch with the marketplace saying, what does the marketplace need? We know what it needs. We find out what it is. I get the writer director ready. I go to cast, boom, we're making it. So it's just, it's, it's a machine. It's like, a, it's a filmmaking factory. How has all the um, streaming platforms like changed things for you? Because I feel like, yeah, based on what you, you said, it you must have been kind of like right at the dawn of those kind of services. Yeah, I've been. Uh, I think that for myself and as an indie producer, it it it's actually helped me tremendously, right? So like, I just had two movies release on uh, as a as a two B original, Fast okay. Vengeance with DMX. And then we just had Hellblazers with uh, like Bruce Stern, Adrian Barbeau, um, Tony Todd, Billy Zane, you know, it, and they have allowed us to make these movies um, and, and continuously can keep continuing to make movies, Yeah, um, you know, because they buy, they're buying, they're buying our product. And if people aren't buying your product then you know, you kind of stop, you're like, but um, they all the different platforms, I think, work very well for the independent producer. And it's a blessing. I, I, I'm so grateful for, you know, all these distributors, you know. Do you, do you particularly have one that I don't want you to, I don't know. Do I not want you to name favorites? But I mean, is there one that's easier to work with or that you have a preference for? Well, yeah, I mean, I have different. OK, so I have different size budgets. Yeah. And the budgets of different sizes go to different distributors. Right. So, you know, I, I, there's no, I'm not saying anything in particular order, Okay. but you know, I love the shout factory and uh, like Saban Saban's one of my favorite. They're, they're one of my go-tos. I don't even know them. Yeah. Yeah. Saban check them out. S A B A N Saban. Um, you know, Saban, a Tubi, like Tubi, Tubi Originals. Yeah, they're great. They're brought. They're they're buying now. So, you know, I I, I have my go tos that are we, when we create something, we go directly to them. We go to directly to like you know a few people, and then some people are like, I love it, or they're like, I hate it, and we know where to go. Yeah, and I mean that's that's such a classic story. I mean, like any huge successful movie or show, you can kind of always. Be like, oh yeah, it was turned down by you know this person, this person, this person, and this person before it ever got made. Um, so I think it's just kind of nice to know that there's more 
avenues out there for people to kind of get discovered and and you know everybody wants that original or you know exclusive or only on amazon prime or whatever so it just seems like there's more space for creators to kind of be there, seen. there, there, there yeah. is it really it really helps out and you can get a lot of different kinds of genres right some people specialize and you know it's like hey you got your hallmark channel hey you have your you know you, you got your shutter you got your tubi you got you have they're uniquely uh diverse and they give they give filmmakers the opportunity you know to get their product out there do you feel that things that may have been pitched in the past so i just finished watching squid games and was you know i'm late to the game yeah but uh i was kind of in my head i'm like this would have never it would have never been on HBO like back in the day. Obviously it would never be on, you know, regular television. It, and it's so good. Do you think, yeah. you know, having so many options is increasing the quality of stuff that's put out? Yeah. I think, I also think it was a pandemic that yeah. there, because there was a shortage on product that distributors started like opening their eyes a little bit and saying, what else creatively can we put up because there's not enough content because a lot of content wasn't made for a while. Yeah. You know, and, and I remember during the pandemic where if you were making a movie, everybody wanted it. Everybody's like, wait, what are you making? Okay. Yeah. We're going to take it. You know, like it's a pandemic, like you, you could barely put, you got to quarantine a crew. You have to, you know, it, it's hard to make a movie um, during a pandemic. And I think that the distributors started opening their eyes and looking outwards to different, you know, different, different products. And, and that's why you get like the squid games. Hmm. Um, so are there projects that you're working on now that you can talk about that you can expect to see soon? Yeah, no, no, no. So, um, I have a, I have like a jaws style film that I'm picture locking today. Um, that has Trace Atkins, the country western star. Yeah, uh, Nikki Whelan and Shane West, uh, Justin Lee directed, and I've I've done like four or five movies with Justin. Um, good director, and we uh, it's it's a practical shark film. We built a huge shark. We had puppeteers in the water moving around a shark, and it's eating people. So uh, it's very cool. J- Jaw style. Uh, that's in post. How did that work? Because I know it didn't work well for Joss. <laughs> uh, believe me, that was one of the hardest movies of my life to make. Yeah. It was difficult. Very, very, in many, many aspects. And, um, th- you know, I just had a, I, I, I did, I had a lot of government support on that. Like if, if I wasn't supported by the local communities and everything like that, I would never have been able to make that movie. Yeah. Uh, so I'm very, I'm very fortunate for that. Um, but that's like, you know, that's also another one of the stories that was like, you really get put into the forefront of a community mm-hmm. representing a project and, you know, some people like it and some people don't like it and you have to deal with both sides. Yeah. You know, you have to deal with, uh, cult- cultural sensitivity 
Sure. And uh, respect that in all aspects. And sometimes it's very hard to do, especially when you tonally have a certain type of film, but you know, you never set out intentionally to hurt anybody. Yeah. It's just like we didn't know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I had a lot of support from the state um, and, you know, we powered through that. Yeah. It's funny. You just made me think there was uh, so I live in Plymouth, Mass, and we have the second largest thanksgiving day parade in the country and a couple years ago this is pre-pandemic a movie studio reached out to whoever is in charge of such things around here uh, and they wanted to shoot a movie based around the parade and at first it was like all this buzz being like oh they're gonna make a movie they're gonna make a movie and then it turns out it was like a slasher horror movie right and the town just went nope and we're all like, oh, that would yeah. be so cool. <laughs> you know, totally. That, you yeah. know, that's what it is. It's like creatives. For some people, it's entertaining to watch something like this. But, you know, if people, people, their hometown, it's like that. this is too close to us. They don't it. You're you're always weighing two sides. It's yeah. and you're trying to be political and you don't want to hurt people's feelings. And you're trying to, you know, it's 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 hard to do sometimes. But we yeah. maintain. <laughs> uh so people can find you at hillian entertainment.com yeah it's, it's hillian hillian yeah, Hillen, sorry hillian dash entertainment.com and you uh know. where else can they find you on socials and yeah my instagram uh yeah. it's damon hillian so that's a, that's another big one for me is my instagram or uh most recent projects usually up on imdb yeah um yeah and uh you know those those are the main those are the main for me and if someone wants to get into the production world, like what would be your one bit of advice? Like this is a must do. You must go do this to, to be a producer. Yeah. So, so find a mentor, you find a mentor or you find like-minded people to work with until you find that mentor, because you can't, you know, some people it's just, you can't go, go and, and be in the film industry. Yeah. Right. You have to, it's a stepping process, you know? Oh, and what's so interesting here is that Shannon McCannion, the casting director in this movie uh, mm-hmm. for The Long Night, she's the one that introduced me to Ryan Johnson. Huh, so that's full circle, yeah. It came full circle. So have you, know, you, have you had that person uh, where you've kind of like taken them under your wing? And be like, I'm gonna um, be try to be that person for them. Sometimes I try. Yeah. And sometimes it 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 doesn't work out. Sometimes, you know, with best intentions, um I always tend like ego gets in the way. Yeah. Even like when you give people opportunities, and then it's like, wait, what what just happened? So I, I've been finding that the when I give people opportunities, it sometimes doesn't work out for the best yeah you know so it, it, it's hard i'm being a little more selective on, on on what and who um you know you try to you try to mold or help out cool man this was this was really interesting like i said we've never had a producer on i've never spoken to a producer so it's nice to kind of like get a completely different perspective on the industry yeah man well absolutely i appreciate the time Thanks yeah for having me on. Yeah, anytime. Like uh, anytime you got something new coming out, if you want to reach out, we'd be more than happy to get you or whoever on the show and do a little, okay. you know, little chit chat and a little, you know, 
pressing. You know, it's like I love the conversations, but I, I'm a realist. I know we're all here to kind of like promote stuff. So yeah, I get yeah. it. Perfect. Well, thank you. No problem, man. And thanks to our listeners, and we'll catch you guys again next week. All right. Thanks, brother. And thanks for checking out the show today, listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed the content today, you can go over to patreon.com slash inebriart to support the show. You can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out. You can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns. Or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, Old Colony Cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.